Today we continue our series called The Ghost, learning about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. You have your Bibles, get your Bibles out. If you use a Bible app, you're going to want to open that up and get ready. Today we're going to dig into a lot of Scripture, and I know some of you, uh, Scripture is fairly new to you, and so that's why we like to still put the Scriptures on the screen, but there's nothing like having your Bible in hand. Maybe you can mark a passage or having your app open, you can highlight a passage. Um, today's topic, talking about spiritual gifts, is one that sometimes can be one of those controversial topics, and I don't want to dig into the controversies. I want us to open up the Word of God and just allow the Word of God to speak in this place today. Um, such an important topic, understanding our giftedness, and that God has empowered us by the Holy Spirit with gifts. Last week we talked about Acts 1.8 that says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and in the end of the earth. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, how he's a guide, he's a comforter, he's a, he's a counselor, he's a helper. And then last week we said he's going to receive power. Now, most of us would say, I don't live in Jerusalem, I don't live in Judea, I don't live in Samaria. Probably many of us would say, I've never even been to those locations, so why do I need power to be witnesses in those areas? What that would mean for us today is that He, when He comes into us, it comes upon us, the Holy Spirit gives us powers to be witnesses in Lexington or in Fayette County or into Kentucky or in the United States and to the ends of the earth. And so this power that we receive is a power from God that guides us and directs us for everyday living, but most importantly, to be His witness. You say, how do we receive that power? If you remember, we talked about you receive the power when you give your life to Christ. Peter preached that great message in Acts chapter 2 where there was all kinds of people who were against God and, and actually the ones who put Jesus on the cross and Peter stood up and gave it back to those religious leaders and those people who thought they were righteous and said, here's the truth of the message. The message is that you put Jesus on the cross but what you meant for harm turned out to be good because Jesus defeated death and he rose from the grave. And at the end of that message, the scripture says that they were cut to the heart. In other words, the people were convicted of their sin and their, and their unrighteousness before God. And they asked the question and said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter simply replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So at that point, when we commit our lives to Christ and we're baptized, we receive this great gift, the Holy Spirit. We talked about how Jesus even told his disciples, now listen, I've got to leave, and it's actually going to be better that I leave, because if I don't leave, then I'm here. But if I leave, then the Holy Spirit can come. And so we live in the year 2017, when that Holy Spirit that's available to the disciples that Jesus was talking about is just as much available to you and me. That Holy Spirit that rose Jesus out of the grave is available to you and me. And what does he do for us? He gives us gifts. He gives us power to do what we're called to do. There are three main texts in Scripture. You can find a few others, but there's three main ones that actually deal with this idea of gifts. So what I want to do today is I want us to dive in and read and just get a glimpse of these gifts that are being talked about. The Apostle Paul, who is a missionary, has written over half the New Testament. He wrote letters guiding the church, guiding Christians how to live life. And so I want to go to three different letters 
written to three different people groups and see what Paul has to say to the church, to Christians about gifts. We'll, we'll look at the overarching of that and then we'll bring it back together and bring it home for us today. And what does it mean in the year 2017? So turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, Paul is writing this, uh, this letter to specifically this part of the letter is speaking right to Christians. But he wrote it to an educated group of people who were who thought they were the smartest of the smarts, the, the lawyers and so to speak, and the doctors of the time, and Rome was a highly educated area. So the book of Rome is, is written in a theological way to, to help those who are highly educated think um, in, a, in a very intelligent way about theology and about doctrine. And so Paul writes this section specifically to those who are Christians. And hear what he says, and starting in verse 3 of chapter 12, he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now remember, he's writing to lawyers and doctors and highly educated. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. I under, you know, Paul Elvis is saying, I understand you're smart. I understand you're educated. I understand you have all the degrees, and I understand you have it all put together. But Paul's saying, drop your ego and drop your pride. Drop your ego and drop your pride and listen to what I want to tell you is what he's saying. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. He goes on and says, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. A couple things I just want to draw your attention to, because we're going to see it in the other letters too. Paul starts making this analogy between God's body, the church, and and the the human body. And so he says, listen, if you are in Christ, then you are part of the body, the body of of Christ. And so we as a fellowship, as a Christian church, Centerpoint Christian Church, we are part of a body. And if you are part of this church, you are one part of this local congregation. But Paul's taking that even bigger, saying if you're in God's kingdom, you're a Christian, then you, not only are, are you a part of a local congregation, you're, local, you're part of the greater body. So center point might just be a thumb within God's great kingdom. But you within center point, you might be a toe. We don't know. But he starts making this comparison, and we'll get to it a little bit more. But he makes this analogy between the body and the, how important the parts of the body is. And he says, so each part of the body has a very specific gift and each part is important. And he lists those here in Romans chapter 12. He lists some. He says prophesying and serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leadership and mercy. And it's interesting as we go through this, we're going to see these lists and the lists are not exactly the same. And I think there's some reasons for that. We'll, we'll discuss that here in just a moment. But I want you to notice that as Paul is writing, he says, listen, we're part of a body, and the parts of the body has individual parts, and every part is important. And so he draws in and says, here are some different gifts that you see within my body as part of the kingdom of God. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Flip over just a few pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is written to the church at Corinth. And... Um, He's writing to them and saying, here's how, how we need to understand God's greater kingdom and, and what God's plan is 
for the church. And so he, again, gives us some more direction. Let's begin in verse 1. He says, now about spiritual gifts. Brothers, I believe you can put in the word sisters. That word brother means fellow Christian, actually. I do not want you to be ignorant. Do not want you to be ignorant. And most of us don't like the word ignorant, but the word ignorant just simply means uninformed or unknowledgeable. So he says, I don't want you to be unknowledgeable. I don't want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. So let me educate you about spiritual gifts. So he's saying, you know that when you were pagans, now a pagan is someone who is without Christ, someone who does not believe in the message of the kingdom of God, believe in the, in the gospel. When you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. That's an important thing to grab onto. If you have claimed Christ as your Savior and you've confessed, Jesus is my Lord, you know you did that because of the power of the Holy Spirit working on your life, drawing you to Jesus, that you can say, I believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit does that work inside of us. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but, no, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. It's really interesting to me. He gives gifts just as he determines. He gives multiple kinds of gifts. He lists some here, wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miraculous powers and prophecy and discernment and tongues and interpretation of tongues. And he says, the Spirit, one Spirit distributes these gifts out for God's kingdom, for God's purpose, but it's one God and one Lord and one spirit, and the spirit gives out these gifts. It's interesting, though, is the first list of prophecy and serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leadership is different than wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing, miraculous powers and prophecy. And so we're going to see again in another passage where the list, again, is a little bit different. Turn your Bibles to, chapter, to Ephesians chapter 4. When you flip over to Ephesians chapter 4, this is written to a different group of people. So he's written to the church in Rome, he's written to the church in Corinth, and now he writes to the church in Ephesus. And that's where we get our letter called Ephesians. He writes this letter, and I'm going to start in verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see a different set of lists, kind of leadership lists, apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors. And he, he lays out this list to the church in Ephesus. So you, you take three different letters 
three different writer, letters that are written by the Apostle Paul. And what I picture is taking place is Paul is writing these letters with the power of the Holy Spirit helping him. And he's writing, he's trying to think, what kind of examples do I give this group of people? And he writes out some. What kind of examples do I give them? He could have probably given them all the same examples. And I think it's because as he's writing through, he's like, here's some things that take place in the church. Here's some different gifted gift mix. And I don't want you, church, to think that everybody does the same thing. Look at these three lists side by side. Romans chapter 12. Prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miraculous powers and prophecy and discernment and tongues and interpretation of tongues. Ephesians chapter 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You look at those three lists, you see a little bit of crossover, but there's a lot of diversity in the gift mix. And then he also tells us that we're a body. I think Paul wants us to start to realize something. Being part of God's kingdom is so much more just coming and sitting and singing and hearing a sermon and going home. I think Paul is trying to lift up the fact, listen, God did not just make us for this journey just to sit in a Bible study, read the Bible, and then go home. God has given us abilities for his kingdom. The passage in Ephesians 4 is so that we may do works of service. What kind of works of service? Works of service that encourages one another, that builds up one another, that loves one another, that, that makes a difference in this community. I don't know about you, but if Christianity is just coming to church on Sunday, singing some songs, hearing a sermon, and going home, then I don't know if I want to participate. And if Christianity is, well, I go to church on Sunday and then I go do whatever I want the rest of the week and on Monday I go to work and I get up and I go to work, I'm there from 8 to 5 or 8 to 6, I go home, eat some dinner, run my kids, go home and go to bed, and that's all Christianity is, it's just a Sunday to Sunday thing, then why be part of that? And Paul is really lifting up and saying, listen, we have a big task before us. In Acts 1-8, that you will be my, my witnesses and I'll give you power to be witnesses. What? Basically, in your own community and the entire world, and then I'm going to give you the gifts. The Holy Spirit will give you the gifts in order to be a witness. But in America, we've settled too long with Christianity being a Sunday thing. Show up on Sunday, maybe I go to a Bible study on a Sunday, I, I sit and sing some songs on Sunday, and I go home. Maybe I'll do a Bible study during the week. Paul's saying it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. See, I see these three lists, and I see the differences in the list, and I think Paul's trying to say, listen, uh, God has gifted us. God has given us abilities for his kingdom. Paul is writing to three different groups of people with three different times, and he's given lists that are somewhat similar, and they're somewhat familiar, but they're also different. And so he's given us examples saying, here's some ideas of how God has gifted you. Here's some other ideas how God has gifted you. Here's some other ideas how God has gifted you. And I think if he were writing the letters to us in 2017, he may include some other things in the list. Like he may say, some of you are so good with computers, and you understand technology. You Use that for, my, for God's kingdom. Some of you are so good at building and construction, construction type things. Use that for God's kingdom. Some of you are so good at, and you fill in the blank, because God has put that inside of you, inside of your heart, inside of your mind. He's saying, use that for God's kingdom. Here's what I want you to hear today. Here's what I hope you will walk out of here believing and embrace today, is that you are gifted by God for his kingdom, and you are needed. 
Why would the Apostle Paul write to a church in Rome and to a church in Corinth and a church in Ephesus and a few other spatterings throughout the New Testament coming back to this idea of giftedness other than for us to get the idea that God has given us abilities and gifts to be used for His kingdom and that we're needed in His kingdom? Today you could be dealing with some depression You could be dealing with some difficulties of life. You could be dealing with some financial struggles. You could be dealing with child-rearing struggles. I don't know what you're walking through today, but I want you to hear God has given you gifts for a greater purpose than what this earth holds on to. He's given you great gifts for His kingdom work, and you are needed. And Paul actually kind of goes back and draws into that. Flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul uses a very interesting analogy here with the body where he digs in deeper. The body is a unit, verse 12, chapter 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for you were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we are all given one spirit to drink. Paul uses this terminology in other places of his writing where there is, there is no slave, there is no free. There, it's not about a racial thing, it's not about an age thing, it's about not an economical thing. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. When you're in Christ, you are a Christian, no matter what your background is or where your walk of life is today. It goes on in verse 14, says, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong in the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong in the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body. Don't miss that verse. But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. But as parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Do you see what Paul's doing here? I mean, the analogy is, listen, if you have a hand, you could cut my hand off, and I could still function, but I'm not going to function nowhere near as well if I have my entire hand. Or if I lose my eyesight, I could possibly still function, but it's going to take an awful long time of, of recovery in order to function. And I cannot possibly say to my hand, I don't need you and get rid of it. I can't say to my foot, I don't need you and get rid of it. I can't say to my eyes, I don't need you and get rid of it. And so we cannot say to one another, I don't need you. Paul's making quite an analogy here that every single one of us are needed and every single one of us are important in God's kingdom and you're needed in this body called center point but you're also needed in God's greater big kingdom, his church. And we can't look at each other by race or age or abilities and say, well, they're they're washed up, I don't need them anymore or I'm not going to listen to them anymore. Let let me give you a, a little bit of an illustration of this. Greg, I'm going to pick on you again. You were in first service, so you're back again. Greg, stand up for a moment, if you will. 
Um, let's go over here. Rex, would you stand up for a second? Let's, uh, Aaron, would you mind standing up for a minute? Um, you're pointing at your dad? Uh, okay, Jeremiah, you stand up for a moment. That's a good, that's a good example. All right, hopefully none of you are, are upset that I'm picking on you, okay? This makes it the body. Wait, I, I need a young person to stand up here. Max, you stand up too, okay? This is a good example of what the church should be. But this is what we tend to do sometimes. And Paul's saying we can't do this. Oh, you're a black man. I don't know if I'm going to participate with you. Yeah, you go to my church. I understand, but man, you're over there. I don't know if I'm going to interact with you very much because you're a man of a different skin color than me. That should not be in the church. Can I get an amen on that? That should not be in the church. The church should be made up of different races and different makeups because in Christ we're all one and our skin color means absolutely nothing. What do we do sometimes is, Rex, you're not as old as the guy I picked on first service, but what we do sometimes is we take someone who's above 50, let's just say that, and we say to a young person like Max, you say, oh man, that, that young kid, that young whippersnapper, he'll learn someday, but the, the, we don't cross paths and learn together. Or what happens sometimes is the teenagers, as they sat in first service, they look at the older people in the church and go, oh my goodness, they're all lost, they don't know what they're doing, they're so stupid, as we know our teenagers think we're stupid until one day they get a little bit older and they go, man, my parents are smart. But we as older adults sometimes write them off and go, they're teenagers, they're crazy, and we don't interact. No, the interaction in the church, we, we help grow one another. Aaron's standing up, and sometimes we can have an a attitude between male and female relationships and think, well, I'm, I'm a female in church, and, and I should be doing this, and I should be doing that. Or sometimes men can be like, well, you're a female, and you should not be doing this. You should not be doing that. And Paul would say, no, we are all needed. We are not, in, in God's kingdom, it's not about male or female. It's not about skin color. It's not about age thing. Or over here, Jeremiah, and Jeremiah would pick on because we've had this conversation before. He likes his tattoos and some very cool tattoos. And we've had some discussions about some of his stories. But what do we do sometimes? Someone walks in and they have a piercing or they have some tattoos and they go, oh my goodness, oh, something's wrong with them. Oh, oh no, they have a gauge in their ear. Oh, oh, that guy's really weird. And then we kind of just write them off because of maybe the way they look. And then you sit down and you get to know Jeremiah. He's a great man of God. He's been doing some wonderful artwork out here for us. And and so, but sometimes we can write each other off just because of the way we dress or the way we look. And sometimes we go, well, you're poor or you're rich. You're a businessman. You're a plumber. You know what's really cool? In God's kingdom, this is the way it's supposed to look. It's supposed to look different than the world. And Paul is saying, you are gifted. You're gifted, Aaron. You're gifted, Rex. You're gifted. He goes across and says, you're all gifted. We are gifted for God's kingdom, for God's purpose to do God's work. And don't have an attitude, Paul's saying, don't have an attitude that says, you're not as good as me, I don't want anything. Drop your pride, is what Paul says. Drop your pride. Drop your ego. Yes, you're highly educated, you people in Rome. And some of us, we would live in that Roman culture, I'm one of the highly educated. And he's saying, drop your pride and drop your arrogance and realize that every single person is needed and gifted. Thank you for standing up. We can go across, you could have every single person in this room and stand up and probably talk about that kind of thing. Now, here's the interesting thing. Don't miss this. Verse 18. But, in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, as just as He wanted them to be. 
In other words, God is the one who determines by the power of his spirit what kind of gifts he's going to hand out and who he's going to give them out to, and then he's going to arrange them within the body as he sees fit. For instance, some of you would say, Brian, I never want to be on that stage preaching because it terrifies me. I'd rather run and hide in a hole. I don't know. I started preaching when I was 12 years old, and God gave me this I'm kind of where I'm not fearful just to get up and do it because God put that gift inside of me. However, when I was about 12, I also wanted to try something else. I wanted to try singing. Go ahead. Some of you are laughing already. Our music minister was a gifted pianist. His name was Brian Sampson, and we would go to church camp, and some of you may remember the song that friends are friends forever by Michael W. Smith, and we had sing it at church camp, and I thought, this is a great song, and it was a Friday night song that you'd all sing and cry together, and to remember, we'll see each other next year as friends. So I went to Brian Sampson, my, our, our music minister, and said, Brian, I want to sing. Really? Okay, let's go to the back to the practice room. We'll try it out. He starts playing, and I start singing, and I don't think we got uh, two words in it. He said, I'm sorry, Brian, you can't sing. And my spirit was crushed. I was like, what? I can sing. No, I'm sorry, that's not your gift. Well, at 12, 11 years old, I was like, what do you mean it's not my gift? I can do this. No, you can't sing. Move forward to Bible college years, and I'm on a travel team where my wife and I met. We're doing drama. We're part of a drama and music team. I was not doing the music part, but I'd be like, you all can sing. Teach me how to sing. They would try one or two verses and be like, you can't sing. I'm like, I want to sing. I'm sorry, sing in the shower, sing by yourself in your car, but you can't sing. On Sunday morning, sometimes here, we're here, and they're practicing, and I'll grab the microphone, I'll say a song, guys, turn my mic on, and, and I'll start singing, and they're, they're like, would you quit? You're messing us up. It's just terrible. I can't sing. It's not my gift. Why? Because God arranges the parts of the body as he determines as he sees fit. For instance, if there was a pile of lumber laying on this ground right here, some of you could look at that pile of lumber and say, we can build a house, and you would start building a house. Some of you look at that pile of lumber and say, great, let's have a bonfire. Because that's how he's gifted some of us. I think that could be in one of Paul's lists and say, I've gifted some of you to be great at construction. Have you noticed the decorations around here as you walk in today? Did you notice that? Isn't it good to look good? A lot of volunteers put in a lot of time this week. I've got to be real honest. I, I only connected two zip ties to help hang one sign. I didn't do one thing on this because art, artistic stuff is, is not part of me. But it's amazing how they took some scrap stuff that we saved and, and some, some paper, and all of a sudden they're painting and they're decorating, and voila, we have this beautiful art stuff ready for kids' camp. God has arranged the parts of the body as he sees fit. Some of you love to have people over. You're like, man, open my house. Uh, I, I want to do that. This is so much fun. I'll have people in. I don't care if i got to clean up beforehand. Then they leave the house, and it's a wreck, and I've served ice cream and pie and had a bunch of people in, and you just love that. It, that it enthusiasts you, and you're like, this is a blast. And some of you are like, I don't want one person in my house. I can't handle that. That stresses me out. That overwhelms me. That's not in me. But some of you are like, I love it. Let's just do that. Because God has arranged the parts of the body that some people have to get the hospitality and want to do that. And some are not so excited about it. Some of you are so gifted and so crazy that you're going on a trip this week and you took work off to be with teenagers for the week. And some of us are going, amen, I got three of them out of my house. Because God has put a gift inside of you to love teenagers and, and minister to teenagers. 
Some of you are so gifted that every single Sunday you're back there serving with those little babies and you're rocking them and you're loving on them and you know when they're crying how to coddle them and care for them and, and make them feel comfortable. And some of us, we're back there like holding a baby like we're holding a rock, like we don't know what to do with it. God has arranged the parts of the body as he determines, as he sees fit for his greater purpose. See, the question is, is do you know your gift? Do you know your abilities? Do you know what God has put inside of you? We can debate all day long because theologians have done that forever about what exactly each of these gifts mean. Do, are they still active today? Are they not active today? And all that is hogwash and a smokescreen if we go, you know what? I'm not really even engaging with my gift. Let me tell you two of the biggest smokescreens that Satan throws at us. One smoke screen is, I'm too young or too inexperienced. And Paul blew that up with Timothy. He said, don't let anyone look on, down on you because you're young, but set an example of faith in your speech and in your purity and the way you live your life of righteousness. And so some of you have that excuse, well, I'm just too young and I don't have the experience yet. The only way to get the experience is to jump in. And if God is tapping your heart and saying that you need to move in this direction, I put some gift in you, I put a passion in you, I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at in your age, speak up and say, hey, I want to jump in. I want to get involved in this. I want to help discover what my gift is, but I'm going to serve. And then the other side of the smoke screen is as you get older. Sometimes when we get older, what I hear from people is, well, I've done my turn. I'm done. I'm now 65. I'm 70. I'm 75. Time for me to retire. Can I just tell you, I don't see retirement from God's kingdom work in the Bible. It's not there. Now, I understand as you get older, your body doesn't function quite the same. Your mind maybe is not, maybe not quite as sharp. Maybe you're a little bit slower. That doesn't mean quit. I think we serve in God's kingdom with our giftedness the best we can until the day we go to the grave and go to heaven. And so don't believe in the smoke screens that Satan throws out at us. Oh, you're too young or you're not experienced or, oh, you're too old and your time is done. So how do you discover your gift? Let me close with just a few thoughts on that. My hope and desire is that you would discover and you would want to embrace your gift of do God's kingdom work because you're in need. And here's your deal. Number one is you've got to pray and read God's word. I encourage you to take these passages I've just lightly have dove into. There's no way to break these four passages, these three passages down and dig in deep right here in one message. Take these passages home and read them and just ask God, God, okay, what gifts? I'm reading these passages, God. What gifts do I have? God, what abilities do I have? God, what passions have you put in me? What kind of heart have you put in me that would be benefit to help out your kingdom? to help be a witness, to, to help carry the message of the gospel. And so you pray and you read God's word, and maybe you record some of that on a piece of paper. And then while you're doing that, you're also going to take those things, you're going to go talk to some godly friends. And you're going to say to your friends, I'm trying to discover who God has made me. I'm trying to discover how God has put me together. I want to know what my gift mix is. And I've been praying and thinking about this, and I think here are some of my abilities. Do you see these things in me? Let's talk about this. Where do you think I'm strong at? Where do you think I'm weak at? Here's what we find is you have some people who will serve just out of a servant's heart who says, I see a need, I'll jump in and I'll serve. For instance, some of you have done this in the preschool area. I'll serve. It's not my greatest passion, but I'll do it. What happens is sometimes you do that and it only lasts for six months to a year. But when you find your passion area, like some of our musicians up here, they love it. They're like, I'll play as much as I can. If I'm in town, I'm playing. And they've been playing for years. 
because they discovered their passion area. When you discover your passion area, your gift mix area, you'll serve and you'll be like, put me on a schedule as much as you can. I don't really want to quit. I love doing it. What I find is people that quit or want to get up sitting on the sideline is because they're serving in the wrong spot. And so you ask your friends, where do you see in me? And then thirdly, take a spiritual gifts assessment. Let me see by, by a show of hand, who in here has ever done a spiritual gifts assessment? So some of you have done that, and it's amazing, they change. So if you've done one, it's been a while, and you haven't done it because God keeps growing you, sometimes that will change. You go to giftstest.com, it's a free assessment, 60 questions, take about 20 minutes. It'll ask you a series of questions, and then you can, once you hit submit, it'll give you a report and show you your top two or three gifts and possibly some areas that you say, oh, that's how I use that gift, and that's where I serve at. See, when you start to know your gift, and you know the heart that God has put inside of you, then you have to make the decision, am I going to use it or not? Remember what Scripture says? It says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. What are you doing with your gifts as of late? Have you been using them? Have you been investing in the kingdom of God, or have you been sitting on the sideline? Have you been listening to some excuses? Oh, man, I'm too young. I don't have enough experience. Oh, I'm too old. Sometimes the excuse is, uh, I'm just not good enough. There's too much sin in my life. That's another excuse. Are you listening to excuses, or are you embracing and saying, God, you put this inside of me, and I'm going to be a servant, and God, I'm going to put these gifts to action. Church, you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. Each and every one of us in this room are needed, and we're part of it. Don't say no to using your gifts to God. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you have given us, that you have instilled in us. Lord, we thank you for how you shape us and guide us and grow us. Lord, I'm thankful that your scripture guides us that every single part is important and needed. Lord, we're not all the same, thank goodness. Not all of us can be a hand, not all of us can be a foot, not all of us can be an eye, not all of us can be an ear. But Lord, you arrange the parts of the body as you see fit, as you see needed. And you do that, Lord, for your kingdom. Father, help us this week to go on a journey. Lord, nudge us and help us to spend some time opening up your scripture. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time looking at our gifts. And then, Lord, give us hearts that are willing to be servants. Hearts that are willing to put our gifts to action. Lord, for it's not about us. It's about you and your kingdom. It's about people knowing who Jesus is. It's about building up the body. It's about about encouraging the body. And so, Father, would you help us to know and embrace our gifts? Lord, we're thankful for a body that was given. That's your son, Jesus. You gave us your son, Jesus. He died on a cross, conquered our sin, defeated death, and he rose from the grave. And, Lord, we celebrate Jesus every single week in this time of communion. And so, Lord, as we receive these emblems, we're reminded of of your sacrifice of your son. Father, thank you. Thank you that you used your son's body so that we could have the hope of eternity in heaven. Lord, may we not take this time lightly. 
Father, it's too easy to come in this time and just do it out of routine. Lord, would you help us to search our hearts? Would your spirit search our hearts? And specifically, how are we doing of using our gifts in the body? Lord, do a work in this room as we spend this time in communion, spend this time in prayer, spend this time thanking you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.